y'all. Welcome to Benevolence, where kindness matters and all are welcome to the table. I'm your host, Sassy Diaz. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Benevolence Podcast is a ministry where we uplift and encourage through testimonials and conversations that are important in our Christian walk. I pray that as you tune in every week, you are blessed, empowered, and encouraged to be the best version of yourself. You are tuning into Episode 7. You are part of the bigger narrative. This episode is truly special and new. On this episode of Benevolence, we have our very first anonymous testimony. It's an honor for me to have a missionary as a guest on Benevolence. Missionaries are those sent out or go for the primary purpose of evangelizing largely unreached people groups at the ends of the earth. They often place themselves in the window of the world where most have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, and many of them are serving in countries where the gospel is banned. These missionaries put their lives on the line so that everyone can hear the name of Jesus. My special guest has been to very sensitive countries in which many times revealing their identity could potentially put them or other missionaries that are in those countries in danger. So our special guest is an amazing woman of God who has served in several countries throughout her life. She shares with us how God called her to be a missionary and also shares some stories that she experienced out in the mission field. This conversation was recorded digitally due to our season of social distancing. So make sure to sit back, relax, and enjoy this inspiring episode. Thank you so much for joining me on an episode of Benevolence. This episode is definitely a little different from my all of the many episodes that I've recorded um, <laughs> due to its sensitivity and due to places that you were going to mention in your story. Um, but I want to thank you so much for joining me at the table. and. Um, I'm just so excited to hear uh, your story. I know that it's going to impact the lives of the listeners and it's going to teach, you know, our listeners, you know, how to hear the call, you know, whatever call it is. This episode is all about you. So whenever <laughs> you're ready, you can go ahead and begin um, to share with us your story. Well, first I wanna say thank you for having me. Um, like you said, this is a little different. Um, definitely I tend to keep things a little bit more low-key my husband and I were missionaries um, to like Asia <laughs> specifically southern Asia so um, just the places that I've gone the places that we will go we uh, we try to be as <laughs> vague as possible um, in our internet footprint that sounds silly but um it does keep us like secure um, to be able to to travel to these places. So, um, I so thank you for that and for working with me. And then also, um, you know, you've asked me to share my story. This is like one of the first times I get to share, I guess, like in a social media platform. Um, just because like, like we mentioned the whole sensitivity. So I am a little nervous, but I'm excited <laughs> okay. to share. Um, so I, my life in ministry um, has pretty much been involved around missions um, since I really joined the ministry. Uh, my family migrated to the United States um, actually 20 years ago. Okay. I was uh, six years old. Um, this is like the crazy part. So my mom became a widow. 
um, when she was uh, about 30 years old. Uh, my dad died unexpectedly. I was one year old. My uh, sister was four. And um, my mom was really distraught. It was something she didn't see coming. Um, and so she was going through a rough period. And my aunt was already living in the United States. And we were, um, this is in Peru. We were Catholic um, at that time. And my mom was just kind of going in through these phases as she was explaining to me when I got older. And my aunt, who was living in Miami, she said, come, come. Like, I know how much you've had a hard time. Just come with your family. And my mom, this is really funny because even she's been here 20 years, she still says, she's like, I never wanted to move to America. She was like, this is the last place that I want to be at. You know, she's very, very um, familial. Like, she loves being with her mom, with her brothers and sisters. She, like, she's such a... Um, family person so she was like I don't want to live you know in another city let alone another country and um I don't know the story how it went but my either my aunt I think she put my mom's name in the lottery yeah yeah that was it <laughs> in the lottery so um I don't know if like people know this but in countries around the world they will lottery the residents to the United States so instead of waiting like 10 years or waiting like 15 years for the process um, back in those days, and I still think they do it. You can put your name in the lottery and um, you will win like the residency to move to the United States, which is a huge deal. <laughs> it is like a thousand dollars, it is crazy. And that year my mom won. Um, and she was like, okay, like, all right, I'll go. Um, and so my mom, being of Catholic faith, this is really interesting. She told us this just a couple of years ago. She said that when we were on the plane to uh, Florida, she was crying. She said we were like sleeping. And she, her, she, being Catholic, she like had some relationship with God. We were, like, I think a lot of people say like they used to be Catholic, but like my family was like devout Catholic. And so my mom... She said she got on that plane and she said, God, you took their father away. So now like these are no longer my daughters are yours and whatever they do is like for you. And I never knew she said that, you know, she said that when she moved to the United States, she was like, this is it. Like I'm giving them to you. And I thought, you know, my mom had this, this faith even before she really committed to like, you know being into the protestant faith and christian faith like she really was like these are your kids and i usually i i like joke with her i was like maybe it's because you're just like really low <laughs> or something i don't know it was weird but um so she said that and then we moved to miami we lived a couple of years still catholic and did like the whole communion like everything so then a couple of years later after we lived in miami we moved to Southwest Florida. And for some reason, my mom couldn't find the Catholic church. And somebody's like, well, just, just go to this church. It's a Baptist church. And she just, my mom just really believed that you just had to go to church. Like that was her thing. doesn't matter where you went. You just have to be at a church. Mm -hmm. And so she went to this Baptist church. And that's when I started to learn a little bit more about like God, 
And I don't know if I remember learning too much about Jesus. I know that sounds like weird, <laughs> but I just remember always hearing like God, God, but not like like Jesus, you know. And so we were there, and then um, I was just like we were just there to um, what do you call it? Attend. <laughs> we were just attending, and that was it. It wasn't. It was like nothing had changed for us. We were just Catholic, going to church and Catholic church, and now we're going to Baptist church. And then um, she became friends with somebody and said, hey, like, I want to invite you to my church because at that time, the Baptist church had, um, they no longer had a building or something like that. So there was something going on there. And it was an Assemblies of God church. Wow. And so going, <laughs> going from Catholic to Baptist to old school Pentecostal church was like a big change, you know? So we walk into church for the first time and people are like singing like a band. I had never seen a band before at a church. I like, I had come up with hymns, or I mean, I had um, been raised with seeing like hymns and reading from the books. And in the Baptist church, we also read hymns. So I love hymns because like yeah. I had always heard that. So I go into this Pentecostal church and they're like guitar, bass, drums, like goritos. Um, and I was like, this, you know, this is weird. This isn't what church, uh, I thought what church was. But it was in that church that I um, got saved. Like for real, like I, um, I think that was like back in like the early 2000s. And then I got water baptized. Um, and it was like, I was going and I was like learning. But I felt like as a teen, there was still parts that, you know, you hold back. Cause you're just like, uh, you know, what does this really do for you? Mm-hmm. Um, but what that church um, taught me, and actually my mom still goes to that church oh, wow. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> um, it's been like 14, 15 years and she's still like a, a member there. And so that church didn't teach me like that church was a ritual. It taught me like church was the people. And so when you, um, when we went to the church and this is my mom's home church now, I met this, the family, the pastors and everybody there. And they really treated us like, like family till this day. I would say that that's the family that if you need something, like if you are like, I need prayer and it's 3am or, you know, whatever it is, they are the first ones to be there. Like, so they really taught me a lot about like the love of God. Um, but the reason I feel like I still held back was because um, growing up, I never had this moment of, I guess, rebellion. <laughs> this sounds really funny. I feel like this, it sounds so random. But um, when I was attending an assemblies, I got church and I would hear testimonies. A lot of the people that I hear the testimonies from was that God like delivered them from addiction, alcoholism, you know, um, pornography, like just like all these things that I was like, I don't do any of that. (laughs) I was like, I just go to school. And my mom, one of the things that she instilled in my family when we moved um, to the United States was education and school. She said, if we are moving to the United States, that means you're going to be you're going to work hard, you're going to succeed, and you're going to, 
I remember she said this at a very good. She's like, you're gonna get scholarships for your college. She's like, I will not pay for it. She's like, you. I have two extremely smart girls, and she's like, you can get a scholarship based on your merit. And she's like, and if you don't, she's like, then you find a job and you pay for your college. She's like, but I will not pay for it. And so I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So from a young age, I was like, I gotta find a way to pay off my college because I never. She never instilled that debt in me of like barring. She was always like, you're not going to get a loan. She's like, you're not going to do, you're going to get a full ride scholarship for your school. Cause she knew that uh, in, in Peru, like you don't really do that as much like scholarships, but she knew, I don't know who told her about that in the United States, but like scholarships were a thing. <laughs> and so she was like, not, um, she was like, I'm not paying for your college. Mm-hmm. So since I was little, like when we moved here, I was in first grade up to 12th grade. I had never gotten anything below an A. Wow. Like I was always top of my class. <laughs> I was in high school. I was like president of everything. It was crazy. Like I was class president. I was a uh, yearbook editor-in-chief. Like I had over 500 community service hours. And I just was like, I will do everything that I can to get the scholarship so when I was part of the of the church I just felt like what else do you have to offer me except me accepting Jesus right like that's the big thing like making that decision and just going to church because I was like I'm a good person I'm a really good student (laughs) I was like there's nothing here that else that I would do because there's nothing else that it would offer me and so um so for a long time I just felt like you know, what's, I guess, like, what's the purpose of giving more if I'm not a bad person? And, um, and so finally, it's like my senior year of high school. Um, I've applied to all those scholarships. Um, I applied to, I went to school in Tampa and I applied for this scholarship that was a full ride scholarship, like, 100% 100% paid with like books, tuitions, um, food, and then whatever was left and like not leftover. Um, and then they would give you a stipend to live. So you, they literally told you at the beginning of our, <laughs> of our scholarship contract, we were not allowed to work. We were only allowed to like be in school. Like that was our main job because they were paying for you to go to school. Like they were giving you monthly stuff too. So, I mean, like, this was, like, the top of the line, only yeah. four students a year get the scholarship. So, I, I got that scholarship. And so, I'm a senior in high school. Oh, my gosh, almost, like, 10 years ago. <laughs> and um, I have, like, all, everything that I came, that I felt like I came to America for was, like, achieved. And then when I got there, it wasn't that I didn't feel, you know how, like, they say when people reach like their goal and they felt empty I didn't feel empty I really felt proud of myself (laughs) I was like yeah like I did it um I reached what I wanted but then I was just like man but what you know then I started thinking like what else can I do now like I'm gonna get a job I'm gonna go to school (laughs) and that was just kind of it and I, ha- I think I decided that when I went to college, I wanted to explore more because, like, now that I was, like, I achieved everything I wanted, I didn't think that there would be much for me to do. I knew I would still be a good student, but then I was like, you know, maybe I should try, like, other things. I don't know. 
I don't even know because I was not even rebellious. <laughs> I I remember going to college and like, I don't want to go and you know like do drugs, alcohol, not, none of that. But I was like, man, I just wanted to like find other things that could make me, I guess, happy. And uh, my friend at the time at this church, um, she knew I was going to graduate soon, and she goes, "Hey, would you want to come to the youth convention?" Um, it was like the district youth convention for um, Florida. And I remember being like, I don't want to. <laughs> I was like, I really don't. <laughs> and um, I don't know. She never gave up. She's like, come on, you'll love it. You'll love it. And I I finally said, okay. And, um, and I went. And I remember that the, the youth director at that time, he spoke and he started talking. I don't remember the message, but I just remember like, the message is resonating with me. Yes. And so I went to the altar call. And in the altar call, this has only happened to me like a handful of times, like in my life. As I was in the altar call, um, I suddenly like felt um, like a stillness and quiet, but it was, it was still like black. Like I didn't hear the music. I didn't hear, I didn't feel people around me. It was just like me. And um, God just tells me, like, you know, Marita, I've been calling you for a long time, but you keep running away from me. Mm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right. Today, I, I, I commit myself 100%. Mm. And I feel like that really was the moment where my life, like, turned around. Um, I like to say that maybe sometimes that was the second time I get saved. And then, you know, my call to missions is my third time. I feel like, I feel like I'm always getting saved. I get <laughs> you know, you. Then, and then you get married and you're like, you know, I'm married now. I'm like, this is like eighth time I've been eighth saved. <laughs> and so, um, so at that time it was, uh, it was right before I go to college and I said, okay, yes, Lord, I'm going to do this. And, and I did, I, I felt like, my life started changing. But I think the problem is, was that at the beginning of this true commitment to God, I'll never forget how hard those first years were for me because I had gone from these, um, these years and years of following rules for myself of like being the best student. I have to do this. I have to do this. Like I always set myself for these high, high expectations because like I would meet them and then I would go higher. So I, the first years of me really committing myself to following Jesus, I remember feeling very regulated to myself and my family. Mm -hmm. Like now I read almost like the Bible and the rules of my family. Yeah, like, the, I'm sorry. And then the views to my family, like as rules. And um, I was very, I would say very legalistic because my sister was like not really following Jesus. My mom was like, she was still on this um, idea that you just go to church because that's what you do. And so I was like, no, you have to do this. You have to do this. Like, cause I'm doing it now. you have to do it. And so, yeah. um, and God really worked in me that. And I'm not like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was hard because I went from like rules on myself to setting rules, like being a Christian. Mm -hmm. So then um, about nine months later, that was in March, 2012. 
Um, nine months later, I went to a missions conference with my now best friend. And before uh, she asked me, well, she had asked me if I wanted to go and I didn't want to go. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go to this missions conference. And I kind of like tricked her, I guess, into thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to ask my mom if she'll allow me to go. And if she says yes, then you know, I'll go. In my head, I was like, my mom's never going to allow me to go with someone she doesn't know to Texas. The conference is in Texas. Okay. So I thought I was safe. I was like, I'm not going. And I called my mom. I was like, hey, there's this like church conference thing. It's for missions, but it's in Texas with um, someone you don't know. <laughs> like I remember telling my mom, I was like, you don't know her. And my mom's like, well, do you want to go? And I was like, I mean, I don't know what it, you know, what do you say? And she's like, why don't you go? Like, it'll be good for you. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, what? She just ruins me. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to set these, you know, so I was like, well, no, I can't lie to her. <laughs> so I called her back and I said, okay, my mom said I can go. And so I went to this missions conference. And um, the whole theme of this conference, it was a Chi Alpha it's a college um, university ministry. Their whole theme at that conference is like give a year and pray about a lifetime. So it's like give one year to serving in missions ministry and pray to see if God will call you to the ministry full time. And I legit thought people were crazy <laughs> because I was in my head, you know, I was like my family came from another country. America is this great nation that you have all these opportunities. And I was like, why would I go somewhere else? I've always thought that I was like, why would I move somewhere else? Why would I, I always thought of like, why would I do that to my mother who sacrificed to come here to tell her, oh, I'm gonna go to a place that's like worse, you know? And, um, but at that conference, once again, the speaker did an altar call about giving a life to missions and he's like at the count of three if you feel the call to missions run to the stage and actually I forgot this part we all had little badges with like our barcode on it that identified like our name and if you felt the call you would turn in this badge into the bucket and then um the um what do you call it I'm so used to calling him the company <laughs> the assemblies of god okay the assemblies of God would call you back to set you up with like a missionary um, and connect you with it. Wow. And so it was like a, it was a commitment. And I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so when he said three, like, I think it was like a thousand students ran to the altar and were like committing themselves to missions. And I was like, wow, God, that's amazing. Like, that's great that you call them. And I was just like, there, like, like, praising my hands are up and God tells me and he says when you graduate from college um you're gonna move to China yeah. and I was like um, I remember this so clearly I, was, I put my hands out and I was like no thank you <laughs> I was like no, no. I'm, I'm not going to China <laughs> and I legit you know what I started doing I told so my friend was next to me she didn't go up to the altar either but I knew she had a call to to missions she's actually a missionary now and I remember thinking because 
she had she had that call for her to be a missionary for forever and I started talking to God I was like God you have the wrong person I was like my friend is next to me I think you yeah. mean her <laughs> I was like I think you're you know she's next to me <laughs> and it was so funny I just started like coming up with all these things and I was like no I'm not going I'm not going and that was it I didn't really think about it um and throughout the years that I was in college, this all happened in college. Every summer I was going on a short-term mission trip because now I had, after that conference, I had fallen in love with people, other people doing missions, but not me doing missions. But I wanted to be um, like part of it. So I, my friend and I, just every year we were going on a different mission trip. And I was like, man, I couldn't, I felt like as the more mission trips I went to, the more, like, I could not deny that this is what I was called to do. And I was like, oh, man, am I really, like, called to do this? <laughs> um, and then as college started finishing, um, I started applying to be um, a missionary associate with, um, with the company. And May of 2016, I graduated um, university. And three months later, August 2016, I was living in China. <laughs> so what God spoke, it came true. Yes. And that's kind of like a super long story <laughs> of my life. So what were your experiences on the mission field? Like, especially China, like. How, how did you get there and, and what was it like being there? Um, being in China was really hard for reasons that I like found out, you know, later. <laughs> um, I, when you first join as a full-time missions um, and you go, before you go into full-time missions, you do a training and you talk to other missionaries and they always tell you when you first get there, you're going to have this like, romantic idea of what you're doing and they're like but when you get into the eighth month nine month and you realize you're not going home you kind of start thinking like oh okay what's happening and so that's exactly what happened I went to China I was so like yes this is amazing this is what I want to do I was so happy um and it was at first I didn't find it that difficult um like I loved the food immediately Chinese food where I lived in like the northwest was nothing like I've ever eaten here um the people were great um I would have to say this is so weird but the two things that I found really hard was the weather and um working in like a learning to work in a multicultural team and I'll explain that in a little bit <laughs> but the weather part is I think for me, the funniest, but I never realized it would be such a battle. So I grew up my whole life in sunny Florida. Like, I I don't think I owned jeans. Everything was like, you know, skirts, shorts, sandals, like jacket. You took it out once a year for those like three cold days. <laughs> and it's just always sunny. And so I went to Northwest China where in nine months out of the year, it is dark. It is cold. And you don't see the sun. My God. And it is cold. Like you're wearing 
puffer jackets, um, long johns, so like the, the warmers. And actually, fun story, when I was at the training, all, there was a bunch of women there who had been missionaries in China. And they're like, so make sure you pack long johns. And I remember I raised my hand and I was like, what are long johns? And everybody's like, oh, sweetie. <laughs> I was like, what is that? I was like, I've never heard of that. Um, and it was, it was so, I felt like it was so depressing, like for my character, because I would cry. Um, I would, there was moments where I would just be like, I don't understand what's happening to me. And of course that has to do with the emotions of living overseas, like everything, but this, like not having the sun, you never realize like how much it affects you. And before I moved there too, my sister was already living in New York and she would talk to me about seasonal depression. I was like, that's what, I was like, whatever, you know, like Hispanic, like doesn't exist. And then I moved and I was like, oh, this is real. So that was really hard. <laughs> it was I, like, it was really, really, really hard. And then working in a team, I had, um, I had in my mind this idea that I knew like I was going to work with Chinese people that I was there like to work with um, people from Asia. But I, you know, I forget that I had team members that are like Anglo-American. And another thing from growing up in Southwest Florida was I never realized that my whole circle is Hispanic, yes. you know, or like English speaking Hispanic Yes. until I was in China and there was three of us in a group in like a group of 80, 100 people. And we were the only people who were Hispanic. Wow. And so, you know, there was times where I would sit in meetings and my Anglo-American co-workers would say jokes or they would talk in idioms and I was like I have no idea what's going on but I felt like I didn't I couldn't ask because I was like like I wasn't ready for that and actually that was a bigger culture shock to me than working with like Chinese my fellow Chinese people yeah so that was really hard I had to learn um things and my biggest takeaway I, I heard this from one of my friends there she says um, other people's cultures are not good. They're not bad. They're just different. And that was the biggest thing for me. I have, I have, that's like been instilled in my heart. And I was like, that's right. Like the way they do things, it's not bad. It's, like, it's just really different. And you learn to work with that. So that was really, was really hard. <laughs> that's crazy. So what are some things that we should know about the Chinese culture, especially like someone like me who's never even been out of the country. <laughs> um, well, the Chinese culture, they're like the sweetest people ever. And they're a lot like Hispanics in the sense of like they value family. They're very close to their friends. Um, they're very loyal to their friends. And I think like in, uh, in Hispanics, we learn loyalty to family, to friends. Uh, I'm trying to think oh definitely the whole thing taking off the shoes that's a big thing okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like don't wear shoes in the house um, I'm trying to think I think one of the things you learned too about Chinese culture was that it takes them maybe a while for them to accept you like to really for them to trust you but when they trust you you're a friend for life it doesn't matter um like if you live in another place, like they're just very, very loyal. So 
I really, really appreciated that. That's wonderful. Now, because, I mean, you're from Peru, so <laughs> I kind of have a, a different look than from somebody like me, you know, <laughs> where you called um, like gringa or, or the American, or did you kind of fit in and pass for an Asian? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because so, Peru, so you look kind of, you know, Asian in yeah. a way. <laughs> right. So for those who are like listening to the podcast and, um, I mean, you're not going to be able to see my face on anything, but I have a lot of Asian, um, features, but that's my dad's side of the family. Um, we're migrants from China to Peru. Wow. So I, we, I do have Chinese descent. And so when I was in China, people thought I was Chinese or they thought I was a Chinese minority group. Okay. And so no one thought I was American. And when I, when they would speak to me in Chinese in the first couple of months, I didn't know like anything. Mm-hmm. So they would speak to me and I would be like, I would say back like, sorry, like I'm American. I wouldn't say Peru because sometimes they didn't know where it is, mm-hmm. but I've lived my whole life pretty much in America. So I would say I was like, yeah. no, American. And they would be like, they look at me, they go, you're American. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And uh, actually the first time I went to go buy my scooter, the guy that I was talking to who was selling the scooter, he goes, oh, what, you know, what part of China are you from? I go, no, I'm American. And he called like everybody over and he was like, look, she keeps saying she's American. She's lying. <laughs> and he was just like so adamant. And from the few Chinese um, words that I knew, I just knew that he kept saying she's lying to us. She keeps saying she's American. And I was like, <laughs> so I, that was never an issue uh, for me. But I know that's actually a big issue for other people who do have like the yeah. um, American, Anglo-American features. Like it was hard because they would point, they would look at them, they would be like, oh, look at the foreigner. But I, ne- I never got that. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, so moving on from China, um, what other places did you visit? And, you know, what other experiences did you have? Um, so I did get to visit quite a bit of Asia. Uh, I loved being able to travel. I got to meet some friends. Um, when I was in Chi Alpha at university, I had some friends that were from South Korea. So when I was there, I actually visited them in South uh-huh. Korea. And so I got to travel through quite a bit. But one of my favorite um, places that I got to visit was in like South Asia, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, I, I was thinking, I was like, I wanted to say the country, but now the details that I, I'm going to talk about, I wonder if I should be a little bit more sensitive. Like South Asia. <laughs> yeah, um, like Southeast Asia. There was a specific country that I got to visit that had been closed to the public because of their like civil unrest and their civil war. And I had this friend, this um colleague in China who'd been wanting to visit this specific country and I was like what are we gonna do there like I don't understand (laughs) and she's like no I want to go I want to go and I said okay like I'll go with you because we're not allowed like when you're a single woman you're not allowed to travel by yourself we usually go in pairs I was like yeah I'll go with you 
And I remember that my best friend knew a missionary in this country. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to her. <laughs> I'm just going to like message her. And um, so I messaged my best friend and she connected me to the missionary that's in this uh, South, uh, Southeast Asia, that's a Southeast Asian country. And I connected with her and she was like, yes, please. Like, I'd love to see you when you're here. You know, when you're here, I'll also take you to the ministry that I've been working in. She had been there since 2012 and we visited her, I believe, in 2018. And it was amazing. Like, I, I can't even describe my experience in this country. Um, I didn't know the language. <laughs> I didn't know the culture. It was so new to me. And there was one day she's like, hey, I'll, you know, I want to take you to the ministry that I've been doing. And so we meet up with her. We get on this ferry um, in the main capital of the, uh, yeah, in the capital city. And we cross over um, this river to get to this part of the country. And she's like, come, let's like, let me show you what we've been doing. And so we go there and um, it's just like, the local people there and she had been working there for so many years that there was like a church established um that they met in this like little house there was kids and families and bible studies and it was amazing like I remember like dancing and having fun and singing these songs and I would sit because they would do like kids songs that were also in English so like I would sing it in English <laughs> And then they do this thing where they put um, this white face paint on your on your face. And they were like, have you ever done this before? And I said, no. And so they would put like face paint on us. It was amazing. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if it's face paint, but it was this, um, how do you say, como un bato, like a, a clay type thing that goes on your face. And it was amazing. And so we got to do a Bible study with um, some of the new believers. And we like prayed over, it was just so beautiful. And then this, the family that was like hosting us, it was, um, they invited us to eat with them. <laughs> this is like the funniest one. <laughs> so we're eating and we, she, her house is like lifted on stilts. So we're all getting up there, it's a really tiny house. Um, you can't really stand up, we were all like sitting and she's, um, she had made this like amazing feast, we're eating. And the missionary there, she's telling us, she's like, hey, you know, the like the lady of the house, she wants to know if you can pray for her because she recently she's discovered that she's had some like sickness on her and the, like they, she doesn't know what it is, but it's like, I think she said like it was on her hands, like, and she, it was the same lady who cooked the meal mm -hmm. telling us as she was translated, she had like... <laughs> <laughs> some sort of like sickness and as she's like telling us this I was like eating the food and I was like wait what <laughs> like I remember picking up the rice and being like I was like in the name of Jesus and I just kept eating I was like what in the name of Jesus <laughs> honestly like it's just it didn't even phase me you know I was like we're here um she's gonna ask for prayer and on top of that she hosting us I was like in Jesus' name, I'm eating your food. It was delicious. Wow. <laughs> and so we prayed for her. But I just think that was so funny because, yeah. um, I don't know. Those are all the things that you experience, like, those are like God things. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And um, and so as we're leaving this this village, the missionary looks back and she goes, "Hey, did you like take a look at that village?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's beautiful." And she goes, "That's the trash village." And I go, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and um, we're sitting in this little like tuk tuk kind of taxi, and I look back and it's almost like I felt like something had uncovered my eyes and I saw and I saw the trash for the first time, like. I saw that all of these families were all had built their houses on top of where the trash of like the city was going. And it was like this huge trash village. And I remember being like, I, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even explain how I felt to you at that moment because I didn't see them as like people who were living on trash. Like I remember being there and thinking like, this is God's church. Like these people were so, happy and joyful and just like worshiping God like that I just was like there's trash around us like we're living in an actual like not living we're visiting in an area where people are living on top of trash like you would have never guessed it on um, I mean I guess for me I never saw it because like the presence of God was just so powerful that I was like wow <laughs> so I really felt like that was just such a this was one of my favorite experiences. Like I'll, I'll never forget um, how it felt to look and just and see God's church alive in this country. That's wonderful. And I feel like when you're telling me this, I feel like like that's kind of like what missions is about. Like seeing past, you know, the their situation, uh, mm-hmm. seeing past, you know, the poorest villages, the the rundown, you know, houses you know, the kids without shoes, seeing past that and seeing compassion and and seeing through the eyes of Jesus. And I think that that's just a wonderful experience. That's a wonderful experience. And I hope that in my future, I could experience that too. Um, Join us. (laughs) I I want to, I I, I shared with you um, a few weeks back that it's like missions. It, it tugs really hard on on my husband's heart and my, my heart as well, whenever missions week is celebrated in our church and it's just one of those things we're like oh god like we feel it we feel it very strong it's scary it's it's so (laughs) scary (laughs) it's so scary you know it's it's a feeling that you're like oh like oh (laughs) i want to feel this way god like you know but um but yes missions is is definitely something that i would like to experience in the future so um I wanted to ask you, you know, with everything that you've gone through, with all the mm-hmm. places that you've visited, um, what have you learned throughout your life and through those experiences? Um, I've definitely learned a lot. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest takes away that is going through this is just knowing that well, one, God is sovereign. I, I genuinely believe that. Um, that there's a there's a purpose for everything. But I also believe, like, I've learned that following in ministry is really not the easiest thing in the world. Um, I'm very attached to my family. Uh, my mom being widowed and the three of us being, my sister, my mom, and I growing up together for such a long time. I just... I have this like idea of this close unit 
and even till now, like now being back in America for this time, I literally see my family every day. We live two minutes away from each other. So that, that was really hard learning the sacrifices that come of being, you know, a Hispanic American in the missions field. And, you know, I'm not always going to want to go back. And every time I come back to America, it's always harder to, to go back into the missions field. So I think I've learned that. And I've learned a lot about having compassion on myself and others. And learning that it takes one step at a time and one day at a time to do, to do missions, to do ministry. But honestly, like, to, I take my, um, my life with Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, I take that one day at a time. I've learned that a lot. I used to think, like, I need to be on those, like, you know, you have those highs, those lows. I used to think, like, you have to be super Holy Spiritual, like, every day, 24-7. <laughs> yeah. And I just take it every, um, every day at a time. Or one day at a time. <laughs> That's great. And it's true. Um, my my first episode that I'm going to be sharing, you know, I when we become Christians, it a lot of people have this misconception that in a snap of a finger, your life is going to be perfect, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's you know it's it's going to be great. Everything's gonna. I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, <laughs> that's true you know, God has, you know, your plans. Um, he has your steps are ordered and all of that. But, you know, there are those struggles that, like you said, we have to take one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And even in my walk with God, I've been over maybe 20 years a Christian. It's still, it's still something new every single day. Something. Yeah. Um, so-, so what word of encouragement you know, would you give to someone who feels called to missions? Mm-hmm. You, you took a big step and, you know, a few months after college, you moved to China, like <laughs> the other side of the world, pretty much. And um, I know that there's listeners out there. I bring, I tend to bring a lot of missionaries to benevolence because I'm starting to see a pattern here <laughs> because <laughs> I just, I love missions. So, you know, I love to hear the, these stories and these experiences and I want to pass it along to the listeners, you know? So mm-hmm. what word of encouragement would you give to someone who feels that call um, mm-hmm. that maybe they're not ready to leave right now and maybe they're kind of, they kind of like fell in your situation where you're like, you know, I got to get the best career. I have to get the best job. I have to finish school, you know, but they feel that tug, you know, mm-hmm. what would you what encouragement would you give to that person? Yeah. Um, I think it's easy to feel the, feel the call. I think it's harder to walk in it. Mm. Um, I guess I, I, in my travels, I encountered young people, whether it's like at conventions or, um, you know, church youth or stuff like that, where I always have a youth approach me and say, I feel a call to missions, but, (laughs) and that, but usually leaves with a couple of things. It goes with, I have to finish my career. And two, my parents um, don't really want me to. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I have a lot of fellow <laughs> missionary colleagues who are Anglo, whose, I guess parents didn't necessarily agree, but because of the cultural differences and they're more um, individualistic, they still will do it, you know? And so we fall as Hispanic Americans until like whoever's, yeah. <laughs> you know, whether you're like Asian American, Black American, um, those more collective cultures, we really wanna, we honor our family a lot. And so we take priority um, in respecting our parents, our grandparents, and whether people are aware of it or not, it's really, really instilled in us. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you feel the call to missions, um, my biggest thing is be accountable um, to somebody. I believe in mentorship. I believe in someone who's more experienced in the ministry mentoring you. I have a mentor who, from the beginning, um, taught me everything that I know, like, you know, about reading the Bible, about understanding um, the life of Jesus, to discipleship, to the gifts of the Spirit. Until this day, there's times where she, um, like, disciplines me, and I'm like, I don't want to hear it, but she is who I go to for any spiritual decision. And so I think if you're called to missions, you can feel it in your heart, but it's easy to let that go. But if you tell somebody that, if you reach out to somebody and say, I really believe God's called me to missions, like, could you hold me accountable to that? Mm-hmm. I think that's the first step. I think the first step is to learn what it is to be a follower of Jesus here in your in your state, in your city, wherever it is. And, and if you learn it here, you will do it great anywhere. You know, if... Me being in China, if I didn't know what it was like to, you know, receive the gifts of the Spirit, to learn about the fruits, to learn about um, not just reading the Bible, but, you know, really understanding the context of it. Just like all these things. If I didn't do it here, I'm not going to do it over there. (laughs) And so when you feel that call to missions and you have someone who's able to mentor you and walk you through that, if, you know, I remember specifically my mentor, she taught me about, um, the gifts is like speaking in tongues and she would but she also taught me the interpretation of tongues there was times where I would tell her like hey I feel like there's times we've spoken like there's a message there and she's like you need to speak that because that's God and so she taught me things that I was like wow like and those things you take everywhere um, and so I think find someone to mentor you find someone to walk with you and then when someone's pouring into you, you need to pour that to someone else. Like, don't just, you know, eat off the food that your mentor is giving you and feed someone else. And you learn to disciple someone else and you learn to help somebody else. And that, that's what I think missions is. Missions is not being in another country. When you do that and then God calls you to another country, you will be doing the same thing. Of course, it's in a different culture. but So I think my, my biggest encouragement is find that that accountability that mentor who will challenge you and who will also tell you things that you don't want to hear yeah that's really so. good I have a few of those and <laughs> I am a few I am that person too <laughs> so I completely agree with you um and my final question for our conversation today um you had shared with me a few weeks ago something that definitely ministered to me in ways that you don't even know and I shared it with my husband and 
Um, and it was along the lines of the bigger narrative. And I really want you to speak, you know, um, <laughs> speak those words because it ministered to me in such a great way. And, and I know that it falls within the lines of like, you know, um, encouraging women who are having a hard time understanding their purpose. Mm -hmm. um, like you had mentioned the bigger narrative and I want to end this conversation with that because I know that it's going to minister to our listeners. So if you can just give us that word of encouragement, you know, for women, um, men, whoever's listening, who are just having a, a hard time understanding, you know, the, the purpose that God has for them. Yeah, for sure. So the big, the big narrative, I am a huge believer of um, discipling um, followers of Jesus through the big narrative. And so the big narrative, okay, so really funny story for a long time. I didn't really understand what narrative mean. Like I would hear it from other people. It just means story. So for yeah. those who are like, what's a narrative? It just means the big story. Mm -hmm. And so um, growing up in a Christian, not growing up, becoming a Christian, becoming the follower of Jesus, you learn a lot from I guess the the American church of decision making. You have to decide. You have to do this, mm -hmm. and so you're always uh, this generation of millennials, Gen Z, and the younger generation are trying to make decisions that affect their life, but also um, they're trying to find a purpose in that. Like, if I choose this, what's the purpose? If I, and so there's this big research and there's these statistics of saying that. Millennials and Gen Z want to be part of something bigger and they want to change the world and do this and do this. And so um, for many years, I was kind of like, I understand it, but why is this such a big thing? And my best friend, Jackie, she would tell me how in love she was with reading the Bible. And I like to read, I, at those years, I liked to read the Bible, but I was like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> cause I was like, I'm reading it, but I'm like, what am I, you know, what am I missing? And in these last couple of years, I had these people who, um, different people through my life who mentored me and taught me about the big story, the narrative of the Bible. And so you have to understand that when you become a follower of Jesus, when you enter into the kingdom of God, there's a big story that you're already part of. There's this, this the narrative of the Bible is not that you are making a decision for yourself and everything you do only affects yourself. There's you are already part of something bigger than you. You are already choosing to be part of the kingdom of God who the story from Genesis to Revelation is the higher purpose. And so when you read the Bible, now I get it. Like I am so in love with the Bible. Like this sounds so crazy. But when you read the Bible for the, the narrative, the story of the big story of God's creation to the new creation, to the exodus of the Jews um, getting free from slavery, to the, that representation in the New Testament of the slavery that we're come out of, you realize that the Bible is this huge, amazing story that we're part of. You already have a purpose. And when you choose to be part of the kingdom of God, you, you have a higher purpose already. You are making a difference. Um, and so I'm a big believer in, in the Bible and <laughs> understanding that the Bible is not a, um, not just a decision that is solely for yourself, that there's a story in it. And, and Jesus really came 
to this earth and he died unjustly on the cross. You know, he was perfect without sin and, and he died um, on the cross for his kingdom. And so when you choose to be part of the kingdom, you're choosing to follow um, Jesus's reign. And what is that? And through that, we receive redemption. Through that, we receive salvation. But our job is not just to stay in the kingdom of God. And then, like, whoever didn't join, didn't join. No, we now go to other places and we spread that purpose. And so, um, and, and when you read the Bible, the story, and, and you see how um, there's so many allusions from the Old Testament to the New Testament, I think you then understand your purpose. Um, and being a follower of Christ because your call, I remember hearing this someone told me, your call may not um, hold you on forever. Meaning like if you're called to be a pastor, you're called to be a missionary, you're called to, that might not sustain you because five years down the line, being a missionary is too hard. You're like, I can't do this. I'm done. And you walk away. Your call may not sustain you in walking in the call, but the purpose, the big story of the Bible will keep you and sustain you because when you read the Bible every time, you're gonna realize that this is bigger than me. This is bigger than my than what I'm doing here. This is truly for Jesus's kingdom. Beautiful. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ah, amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, we did it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We did it. I want to thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us, for sharing us, you know, with us, your call to missions. I pray that, you know, from here on out, like God will continue to open doors for you. I know that, you know, you're not on social media and, you know, I pray that you just sharing your story with me blesses your life and, and will give you, um, maybe just that push, maybe just that window <laughs> or that open door, you know, to continue um, just telling other people about what God has done because people get blessed with testimonies. People, mm -hmm. they like to hear that and they get inspired. And and, and that's why I do what I do because <laughs> I'm inspired. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, these people are amazing. So, you know, I just want to thank you um, once again for being part of Benevolence Podcast. And I just know that you know, you're blessing so many people, so many people, and you don't even know. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. And thank you all for tuning into Benevolence, where kindness matters and all are welcome to the table. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Benevolence Podcast. Benevolence Podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode of Benevolence. You don't want to miss it. Bye.